I don't get the Bible. I don't either. I don't get a lot of things in this life, let me tell you. Glaney's going to explain one of those things. Go. I don't get how we just recorded two full episodes without sound. And now we have to redo them. And they're answers to questions, so I hope they don't come off rehearsed or something. There's no rehearsal. We just have to do what we do. They were really good. I'm trying to emphasize to Delaney, you know, I've been doing this a long time. And when it comes to this stuff, everybody forgets to push buttons. Uh, it's just like that classic movie when they blow up that building and then someone says, I didn't start the camera. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you have people doing all these checks. Is it on? Is it on? Is it on? There's only two of us. It's all on her. So I'm happy to go back through the questions and maybe we'll add something to them. That's better. Delaney, question number one. Starting with Sterling. Sterling. In the parable of the talents in yes. Matthew <laughs> 25. Um, the primary context probably refers to the nation and age that were about to come to an end. But in terms of the variance of talents given to people, I'm inclined to broaden the scope. I could also think of the dissimilar talents as differing conjectures about God and different predilections for exploiting those conjectures. So Everyone who ever felt some sort of inner calling or attraction for God seeking but decided to shoot away or hush it up would expect at least initially seclusion or outer darkness from God in heaven. Therefore, I tend to attach Roman 2.6 to this teaching, which Roman 2.6 says, he will render to each one according to his works. What do you think about this? I think you can do that. I think the connection between Romans 2 and that statement and the parable of using your talents, I think that's uh, justifiable. I think uh, that it's important to remember that God bestows upon all of us uh, skill, talents, blessings, some many, some few. And there will be an accounting. Jesus gives, I think, three parables about that. And he specifically talks about this accounting. Now, you're right, Sterling, that in the former age, that probably had application to them then. But I do walk and live by the idea that we will reap what we sow, that uh, God will hold all of us accountable for what he gave us and what we did with it. And I don't believe, though, that there's punishment involved uh, for failing to do it. I just think there's lack of reward. The punishment for all things was taken by Christ. God is now our rewarder. That's part of the great news. He, he rewards, and he gives those people reward who then uh, followed him in faith and then uh, did something with the gifts or talents that they have. Okay. Um, I it makes sense to me. I I just have to ask, like Matthew 25, I understand, but Romans, I don't what he's referring to and he's connecting them. And I'm assuming you're talking about its application to us now because Romans is to us now. Or do you know what I mean? Like who was Romans to? What was the context? The context of Romans was Paul wrote a letter and it's addressed only to them, by the way, not to us today. And in that place of Rome, there were a lot of Jews who had converted to Christianity, and there were other Gentiles that had converted to Christianity, mm -hmm. and they were supposed to be one. But the Jews wouldn't accept the Gentiles because of their filthy behaviors, mm -hmm. and the Gentiles thought themselves to be more uh, free than the Jews who were still in part under the law, you know, 
touch not, taste not, do this. Paul's letter was saying, look, God is going to assess every man's work. Don't, in another place, it's another book. He says, don't kid yourself. God will not be mocked. You will reap what you sow. And I believe that to be a very important principle that carried forth to the Jews, to the church at Rome, and to us today. Okay. Hope that helps, Sterling. Good questions. Yeah, great question. Um, WorldChristianFaith.blogspot.com. Oh, who they World Christian they faith. keep submitting that as their name, and that's a shameless plug for them. Blogs. Bot.com. What do they want? <laughs> they have a question. Ooh. Does Exodus 21, 2 through 6 allow for marriage that is premeditatively planned to last a temporary duration and not a lifetime to be considered ethical in some situations? Does the employer give an employee a woman to marry in such a manner that they are no longer married when the employment ends? Um, I don't know. Uh, Exodus 20, 19, 20 and 21 are heavy concepts in the marriage of God, uh, and them forming the ketubah for the nation to agree to. And I don't know if I can even answer that without reading it. Sorry. Mm. Yeah. He, uh, he or she came armed with a, a question that they know the backstory to, but I, I have to really look at all those passages to answer rightly. Hmm. Well, thank you for trying. Maybe one day we'll get to Exodus and yes. talk about <laughs> us to Exodus. Oh in, Lord, on your I'll be dead. You'll be in Exodus. There is a man Oh my gosh. <laughs> We have to somewhat stay alive rereading these questions. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, what we're doing. Right. <laughs> it gets worse for me. I become more and more of a lunatic when I start to get bored. My poor daughters know this. <laughs> it's not boring. The questions are great. It's the just questions we are great. Just, just already this. done this. <laughs> okay. Speaking of marriage, Charles submitted a question about love like falling in love that oh. kind of love he he wrote a long thing that i'm not going to read but um he gives a really valid explanation of love citing a lot of scriptures talking about the different types agape philos storge eros and his question ultimately is uh is it a sin to have passionate feelings for another person and can you also explain why put why we put God first before girlfriend, wife, and kids. I think that the passion we experience between people is of God. I think it's the way that the species propagate. I think it's the way that we are attracted to people uh, in some way or another, depending on our maturity level. You know, at first we're attracted to the physical, you know, the, the most immature hormone filled kid is just attracted to the physical. And then as you mature, you start to become more attracted to the philos, friend side. And then as you mature, after you get married or whatever, you're attracted to them in the other ways, family, storge love, and all yeah. these other ways. But in the end, I believe, Charles, that uh, agape love is only present in a marital relationship or outside of it when there's suffering involved. 
It's when the spouse uh, learns that his wife uh, has been unfaithful and he decides to forgive her and love her. That's insufferable agape love. There's no passion for that. There's no friendship for that. There's no eros for that. There is agape because it's insufferable to do that. And that is the highest form of love, whether in a marriage or out. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it has, you've taught that for a long time and like always. And it's, I think it's kind of gotten me mixed up a little bit because it seemed like you said, it seems like agape is what defines a good marriage, but like, it's not what starts it. Yeah. Like I, I, I start relationships with agape, which kind of means I almost like, like find value in a relationship when I'm suffering a little bit. Oh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And that doesn't, it doesn't, doesn't seem totally on the mark. It's a little uh, out of order. Yeah. Because the natural way is for you to find somebody that you're attracted to physically. You have that desire for that Eros love. And then uh, just the same levels, you got to go through them. Yeah. You're going to have the Eros love to get the thing going. Yeah. However, there are people who say, I wasn't really physically attracted to them, yeah. but they were funny or they were friends. And I really mm -hmm. like them in that way. And they fit well with my family, store gay love. Mm -hmm. They had these other components, but the physical, and they might say, I'm not really into that. Mm -hmm. Right. Later on in a marriage, the lack of the physical might uh, turn to an increase of the physical because the friendship yeah. store gay agape has increased. It's hard to tell, but it's great if you can find someone you're physically attractive, who is your friend who fits well with your family, because that bedrock of a relationship in a marriage works great for then agape to start to creep in. Mm -hmm. You love them as a friend, as family, physically you love them. And then you start to see that they're failures, mm -hmm. that they need forgiveness and, and kindness and mercy and compassion. And it's hard on you to do. That's when the relationship is really right and strong. Yeah. So it could be wrong to, to misappropriate that. You should have that agape love for all people equally. That's yeah. the thing. But isn't, isn't it like not agape when you have all those other loves for the person? It's not, it's, it's uh, not agape, but it is a form of love that God approves of. But like, like you're in, you're 20 years into a marriage, someone gets cancer, like you said, and um, like you're motivated to suffer with them because you have the other loves for them, which almost seems like it's not agape because you're not, there's like a motivation. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but that might be the way God works with us. You know, maybe we need those motivations to get us outside of our natural selfish mm. state to grow into agape. Because agape love is something that it's like um, you grow into it and you become more and more accustomed to it and you become mm. more... It doesn't just happen in a windfall and it's perfect. It happens by and through this. Hmm. Yeah, so not easy, not easy. And we we talked about, but like, it seems, I understand Char Charles's question because it seems like a lot of women aren't about that right now because agape 
there's been like a conflation of sacrificial love to Christianity, to men, and then like men using that and like expecting that before they've done anything to deserve it sort of thing. And like, so then women have been like, oppressed or whatever and in some cultural way because of that and so now they're rebelling in the and and it's just really hard to find women that are willing to go the agape route the sacrificial route right now because there's like the the general tone is that the men aren't deserving of it right now there's no men that is like earning that and like men at large just don't deserve that which isn't true but I don't it's just to say that I know a lot of people I know Charles and he's a really great guy and I know a lot of other really great guys that are not finding women because of that issue like their women are just not on the same page of like and it's detrimental for sure and and there's a reason we talked about how women aren't on that page in large part in large part because of men and how we took the idea that we are to be uh, the man of the house and the woman is to be our helpmeet mm-hmm. and using God's name have treated women like chattel and, and in the, especially in the religious sense, talk to them like they were nothing, yeah. treated them like, so that, like we said, the pendulum swings far. So women today have swung far. We aren't finding men who we're going to give the time of day mm-hmm. to, you know, and, but I'll tell you this, if I was a man today and single, I would not touch. I wouldn't get near, unless I just wanted to use a woman sexually, I wouldn't get near a girl who didn't love God. Because yeah. a girl who doesn't love God is as bad as a man who doesn't love God. Yeah, which that has been a question for a long Like both my sisters are now have men who I think are – Coming into coming into that, yeah. But it took like they didn't initially start off on that ground, and they their marriages were good. Like they have good men, mm-hmm. and like um, I've questioned that for a long time for myself. But um, it's starting to become really evident. Like yesterday, for the first time, I witnessed my mom and dad talking to each other about putting, you know, making a decision with God separately about something they wanted to do together. That's the first time I've ever heard you guys talk like that. And it like changed my ideas on dating, like Mm. radically. Like I really Mm. think God has to be, you have to be on the same page with it. Yeah. Cause if that's first, like otherwise you expect a relationship, you expect to be first in that person's life. Yeah. And then God makes you second. And that's like, you can't do that no, can't to do each it. other. No, can't do it. And marriages fall apart. Now, there can be marriages that are godless that work, but they're yeah. based off eros, uh, philos, and storge, and they can bring agape in. Yeah. They just don't know it yet. They, they're operating off the principle, so it works. That's what it seems like girls, at least, think is the goal is that type of relationship that's based on everything but the agape. Yeah, and unfortunately the agape, the agape is the central bonding factor that keeps marriages together because it includes each of them willing to sacrifice, suffer 
and go the distance for the other person without reward, mm. without anything that they get, Yeah, you know? And so that's where it takes love up into the realms that humans aren't used to. But if you show me a woman who doesn't believe in that, I'll show you a woman who wants to be served. And I'll show you a man who wants to dominate and I'll show you. Yeah. No. And people will say, well, my spouse has agape love without being a believer. And I would say, fine. But that doesn't mean that that power source didn't come from where we're saying. Yeah. It was evidenced in the life of what Christ was, agape yeah. love, giving himself for a world that didn't deserve it. Yeah. You know? And I want to remember, we're on this, the, the Bible gives two directives for married couples. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. The, the word husband means housebound. When you marry your wife, you aren't Mr. Golfer out on the club with all your friends drinking beer till two in the morning and coming home and then just throwing uh, sex at your wife and leaving for the office the next day. You're housebound. You know, you're not out with the... It's so it's a different perspective than our world mm -hmm. has today. And we can see the problem with what happens when we do it our way instead of his way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. By the way, the scripture also says, and I think in principle, this is true. Don't be unequally yoked. Mm. It's straight up to the church in that day. If you're unequally yoked, it's like taking a little small cattle and a giant cow and putting yokes on their back and having them pull the cart of the family. The big one is bearing the load and the little one is, you know, off, off, off kilter. When you join in a marriage and you're unequally yoked, you are going to have that kind of relationship. So you want to be as close to each other in the important things. Mm. Unfortunately, our world has made sex the important thing. Yeah, I have Christianese burned friends that refer to that all the time mockingly. Mm. Like, who cares about being like, I just want to have, you know, <laughs> like, but they're good guys, like good people that just want a nice relationship, but... The other thing that is confusing is that you will cite that marriage is of this world. It is. So. It is. Yeah. Like God's not involved in it. No, but you can include him in it. And, and, and that is going to make your marriage in this world better and su more sustainable for you, the couple and the kids than anything else. Now people will say, oh, you're nuts. You can disagree with me. But it's that common bonding factor. Now, some couples might have business together yeah. that bonds them. That can work. You know, in this world, it can work. Uh, art, travel, money, yeah. whatever. It can work, right? It's but, like how it works, it seems. They have a thing. Yes, yes. That's how a marriage works is you have a thing you have that a bonds thing. you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just saying that if you want the best thing to bond you, it's the thing that brings in agape love. Yeah. 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 That makes a lot of sense. Awesome. It makes sense. Thank um, you, Charles. Madison says, Isaiah 3, Isaiah 63, please explain. <laughs> it relates to Revelation. It relates to Jesus coming back. It relates to the great and dreadful day when he will trample on the vineyard and his gown will become red like with blood. And that's it, Madison, throwing that. And the only reason I know it is because in the show we lost, we covered it. We <laughs> looked it up and read it. So I don't want to act like I'm some kind of scriptorian. <laughs> I just know it because we read it earlier. Um, okay, we'll do one more Q&A in the next episode. Stay tuned. Jeez.